0: Welcome to the Hope Revolution Messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other
1: podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. So I'm feeling very nervous, let me just share that. It's been a little while since I've been up the front and sharing a message. So it's been a, quite a journey into this morning to be perfectly honest and I'm not a person who actually loves being up the front. I feel very uncomfortable but it's it's a journey that I'm on with the Lord and and just choosing to trust Him and know that He is good and He's always faithful. So, I've got my tissues because I have to be honest, I've been very fragile and I feel a bit like what actually Sam mentioned it in prayer this morning about that clay pot <laughs> that is very marred and flawed and, and yet so aware of God's treasure that is in me. So I may get a little teary and that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> it's just that I've come really wanting to speak from my heart and as Cal beautifully prayed, from God's heart. So I want to start this morning. It's been a great series, hasn't it, on the character of God. I've really loved journeying through each week and and just focusing more on who our God is. And so every week there's been something beautiful and something more that I particularly have been blessed through. When Peter Thomas approached me, oh gosh, many weeks ago, if I'd be willing to, to share a message, as I was praying, I actually, once I'd worked through that, no, I don't want to thing, I came to a topic that I actually felt quite excited about and I was starting to, to kind of think through that. And as I was sitting one day with just sitting, <laughs> I think just kind of thinking and, and a little bit of worship, I felt the Lord drop into my spirit this word, personal, And right away, I went, oh, no, no. (laughs) I could feel myself pulling back. But as I sat with that, I began to, to really believe that that is actually the topic that he wanted me to bring this morning. So personal. There's a phrase that we've probably all heard of, spoken at different points. Up close and personal. What does that phrase evoke for you? if there, there some different feelings or thoughts that, when that's spoken, come to mind? Does anybody want to share? I'll just
0: go for it. Like
1: whoa, well back. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I have a hula hoop around me.
0: That's my personal space. Well. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I
0: was thinking. Um, Well, you've got Amos on the screen, so I'm I'm assuming you're going to talk about him, but he's way too close and personal. So in case you weren't going to say that, that's what I
1: was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else got any thoughts? Yes, I agree. Context depends on the person. There's a whole lot of things in that, isn't there? Yeah. So I've put Amos up there. Amos is our 19-month, I think, uh, Grudel, who we got as a puppy when he was 11 weeks old and he came very, very anxious. Now he's at a point where, well, he's been at a point actually for a while when I think about it, where he just loves to be in your face. And if we're sitting, he's actually sitting here, Jeremy's watching TV You can see the TV in the background, but he's actually got his paw here on Jeremy's lap because that's what he loves to do. When we're sitting, he loves to come and he just loves to put his paw on our lap. Sometimes if you're sitting on the floor, he will love to be in your face licking ears. He loves licking your ears. That's way too close and personal for my liking. (laughs) He just exudes excitement and joy for people. As you may experience if you come to our house, you're often met with this exuberant dog. But I've put Amos up there this morning because I just want to I want you to keep in mind this, this picture of God being personal, as being he, He's just loving being here this morning with us. He's excited to be here, and He's just inviting us with such love and devotion to come to him this morning and to perhaps just put aside those those thoughts of what personal might stir up in you, because he's got some things as already has been shared this morning from different ones that, yeah, I believe he's actually wanting to draw us closer and deeper into him as part of this morning. So I want to just start by sharing a personal story that came very quickly to mind when God gave me this topic. And it goes back some years ago, and some of you will be personally connected to this because it was a ministry in our church that we were a part of called the Cupcake Ministry. And it was run under the Selvo Ministry. It's a, it's a ministry to young women working in some very very sensitive a very sensitive industry, um, let me put it that way i'm trying to be very careful with just knowing that there are young ones in the room, but we would go and and visit these women and the team was it was a beautiful journey because right from the outset when God started to stir different ones' hearts and we came together, we spent nearly a year talking but but in prayer and really listening to what God was wanting to speak as far as what this team, what this ministry from our church would look like in partnership with the Salvation Army. And so we came together and and God was leading us probably to do things quite a bit differently from other Salvation Army teams that were visiting different places. But it was beautiful to see God leading us personally (coughs) in what he knew was right for us as a church community at the time but also what was going to be right for the places that we were going to be visiting, that he had appointed for us to visit. And so after about a year, we had our first Visit our team was made up of bakers, so we would take a, a plate of cupcakes. That's why it's called the Cupcake Ministry. We would take a plate of cupcakes into these places as a bit of a just a soft entry point and, and a way of blessing the places that we were going into. And so we would have a team of bakers who would bake the cupcakes. Often be praying over the cupcakes as they were baking for these ones who were going to receive them. We would have intercessors. Prayer was such an integral part of our ministry. It was actually the central part of the ministry. So we would have prayers off-site in homes praying. We would have two prayers in a car going with the two visitors and one of those was actually a guy. We felt that God was showing us early on that we needed a male presence in the vicinities that we were a part of. And Darren was such a beautiful part of that team. Cal was one of our our intercessors, very, very valued in that space. And so myself and Tan were the two visitors that God had called and that was a journey for me of of getting to that point of being willing to step in. It was quite a journey of feeling very, very uncomfortable, quite fearful at times too, having to lay down fear but In that process, knowing God speaking personally to me and reminding me that he's with me and he gave me a very clear and specific calling through a scripture that he spoke to me and I held on to and and as I had that first visit in, it all lifted and there was such a joy and excitement in stepping into these places and having the opportunity to meet different women, to sit with them, to chat with them, just to listen sometimes just to bless them and love on them, the love of Jesus. It was a very, very precious time. But this particular story is probably my favourite story, and some of you have already heard it, but I wanted to share it again because it shows very much the personal heart of our God. And this particular night we went, having been given a letter by one of our off-site prayers or intercessors who at a previous visit, we we would visit once a month. So in the previous month, she had felt led or prompted by God just to start writing a, a letter which was actually based on Psalm 139. It was a portion of that that she kind of personalised. She didn't know who it was for, but she felt the Holy Spirit just leading her to write this letter to someone. And so she passed it on to Tan and I. And so we, we gathered this particular night. Darren and Kel were in the car with us. And I remember feeling this huge weight of responsibility of this letter, personal letter that God had for someone. He knew who that person was and that we just needed to listen to him and be led by him in terms of who this one. We would visit five different So there was a lot of scope. (laughs) And in these places, we might have five up to 15 women. So we start off the night and we go into the first place. And as part of that, Tan and I were welcomed in. We were warned previously, like leading into the ministry, that often you will be faced with shut doors. So don't be put off. We were blessed as a team because more often than not, the door was opened. God had definitely gone ahead of us. So this particular night we enter this place that we'd begun to strike up a really good relationship with the receptionist at, at the front. She's the one responsible for opening the door, welcoming people in. And so we enter in, we were there for a little bit of time and there was a one young woman who came in very fleetingly. We didn't get to talk with her and, and then she exited. But then we were just... Some comments were made about her. We then moved on through the night to the four other places. And each each step of the way, we're asking, Lord, who is this letter for? And I remember at one point getting to the end, we'd visited the five, and as a team in the car, we were like, what are we sensing, guys? Is there anyone here that we believe God's leading us to? Because at that point, it wasn't very clear. And I remember pausing in the car and it was really beautiful we just prayed as a team and asked the Lord who is it, Lord is it one of these women tonight I just had this sense that it was it's someone for tonight there's someone here that this letter is for and into my mind comes this name of this girl who right at the first place who briefly walked in and out we didn't interact with her at all that was the name that kept coming to mind. So I remember sharing that, and we were like, "All right, well, let's let's just go." And I remember thinking, "How's this going to go? Like, we're going to go back to this place. We're going to land on the doorstep. Are they going to? Is she going to let us in? Like, I was just imagining like the scene and what we're going to say, Ten and I. <laughs> anyway, so we get to this place. We land on the doorstep, and the receptionist opens the door, opens it wide, wide. And she just looks at us and she just grins. And she said, oh, what have you forgotten? And so in the moment, I just remember saying, we've actually got a letter here for one of the women. And I named the name and I began to say, would you mind passing? And she said, come in. I'll take you right to her. And so we walked down. Tan and I walked down the corridor, down the hallway, and there we're taken into a room. It's quite dark. And she's sitting there on her own. And I think I had the letter. I don't remember what I said. I didn't say much at all, but I just passed it to her. It was something along the lines of God wants you to know how much he loves you.
2: And that was it. And then we went.
1: But that's such a beautiful picture, isn't it, of how God wants to meet with us. He wants to get close. And he knows what we need to hear. And he knew what this one was going through. We didn't know it fully. He did. And he wanted to remind her of just how precious she is and the fact that she is seen and she is known. And that's what God wants to remind each of us today. He knows what each of us is going through, is walking at the moment. We are known and we are deeply loved by him. And so that, was, that story has been such an encouragement to me, even coming into today, because as I said, I, I really was struggling with preparing and, and just getting up the front. But through that, God's been reminding me, Kate, I've got you and I'm going to lead you and I'm going to give you the words to share. So just trust me. And indeed, he is so trustworthy. He is so faithful. So I just want to begin by opening God's love letter to us, this one. And right at the start, in the book of Genesis, I love how God right away just shows how personal he is. Him as creator God, the one who created the universe and who spoke things into being. And yet I love how he comes to getting to that point of wanting to make man in his image. And I was was thinking about that and I thought he could have just spoken man into being, but he actually didn't. What do we read? In Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 to 7, we read that God gets down in the dust and he forms and he moulds and shapes man with his hands and then he breathes into man with his breath living breath, the breath of God. Isn't that such a beautiful picture, a beautiful reminder of our awesome God and yet how personal he is right from the outset of time. All about intimacy, as we've been reminded this morning, he's all about intimacy. And then he sees that Adam is on his own and he decides, let's make a suitable helper for Adam. Adam can partner with, can enjoy life with, they can enjoy God together. And so we read in verses 18 to 22 that God causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And then he takes a rib, a rib out of Adam and he forms Eve. And we read of how he closes up Adam's flesh. Like, that's so personal, isn't it? Again, he could have just spoken Eve into being, but he, bring, he, he, he forms Eve out of Adam. Then we read in Chapter 3, Satan enters the scene. And, of course, what's Satan's intent? It's to rob and it's to destroy that intimate <laughs> relationship with God and mankind. And he tempts and Eve takes the forbidden fruit she shares it with Adam we know what happens then and then God comes and he's walking in the garden and he calls where are you where are you Adam and Eve and they're hiding they're hiding in their shame because they knew they knew instantly they've been that they felt that separation from God through their disobedience and there's this beautiful verse that talks about what God does when they acknowledge, they acknowledge what they've done, that they ate of the fruit. And interestingly, when they eat of the fruit, they recognise their nakedness. They recognise, oh, we have sinned, and they try to cover themselves, themselves. They try and take action themselves in restoring the situation, I guess. But God comes, and in verse 21 we read, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. God made the garments. He killed the animals to be able to clothe them, covering them with love, covering them with grace and mercy. And a beautiful picture of what what God has done all through, all through history. And so we read throughout the Bible of people that God called, raised up, to woo his people back to himself when they started to go astray or when they turned their backs in rebellion. And this morning I want to just actually before I share that, I've missed a scripture that actually I really love and it's, um, it's Isaiah 61 verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest and with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. That's what Jesus has done for us. So, throughout Scripture, we read of so many stories of God being personal. His desire and love for those. All of us he's created and if he's calling us back to himself. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So he's constantly pursuing. He's constantly seeking out. So this morning, I want to just focus on two particular people in Scripture. There's so much here I could have looked at and, and even still I've got a lot, but I, I just wanted to be sensitive to how the Lord wants to lead us this morning. And there were two people he brought to mind in Scripture that I want to look at this morning and I believe he wants us to look at and, and to learn from. And so the first one is Jeremiah and we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. Is there someone who'd like to read that for me? Now the, the
0: word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth.
2: Mm.
1: Thank you, Catherine. I've highlighted there. Some particular words because, again, it's highlighting God's personal interaction with Jeremiah. Now, the word of the Lord came to me. So that's the directness of that, the intimacy of God coming to Jeremiah. And then he goes on to say, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated, I set you apart. And I appointed you, I chose you as a prophet. Isn't that beautiful? Even before we're born, we're known by God. Even before we're born, God knows the plans he has for each of us. And I love this next bit where Jeremiah is just so honest. (laughs) He's so honest with God. He doesn't just run away. He just says it. He just says it how he's feeling. Oh, Lord God, like he realises who he's talking with. I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. I'm only a young person. Now, scholars believe that Jeremiah was anywhere from sort of ages 14 to 20 at this time, so he was very young. And he was was being called to take on an enormous task at that time when Israel had forsaken the Lord and had been very rebellious. So he knew what God was asking him to do. Jeremiah is basically, I can, I can almost hear Jeremiah saying, who, who am I? Who am I that you would choose me? But again, God speaks into that and he says, don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And this next sentence or, or verse I just love, Then the Lord put out his hand and he touched my mouth. The very place where he was feeling inadequate, he just was feeling so ill-qualified, I guess, or ill-equipped, God touches him right there and he says to him, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. Isn't that a beautiful picture of God personally ministering To Jeremiah, Jeremiah faithfully proclaims God's message for over 40 years to Israel, telling the people what they needed to hear, not necessarily what they wanted to hear. And he went through a lot of hardship in the process and a lot of suffering, but he never strayed from what God had called him to do because he knew and he believed that God was with him. And that's a reminder to us. Each of us are fully known, fully known, and we're chosen, chosen by him, and that we can be honest with God. In fact, it's when we're honest and we're acknowledging our weakness that then we're able to receive God's power at work in us and through us. The next person I want to look at is Mary. And we're at a time of year where I guess this is particularly maybe at the forefront of our minds a little more. But I just want to look at this brief passage of Mary. Is there anybody who'd like to read that for me? In
0: the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Then the angel left her.
1: So God again chooses to come close, so close that He sends Jesus, His beloved Son, to dwell amongst us. Jesus, as a baby, born as a baby, choosing Mary, a young virgin thought to be around the ages of anywhere between twelve, perhaps, and sixteen. Looking back at that time and culture when young girls were betrothed to be married, from Nazareth. Nazareth, an uncelebrated, very poor town of little reputation. This is where Mary's from. But he chooses, God chooses Mary
2: to carry him, the saviour of the world, in her womb. I don't know when you stop and think about that, but that just blows my mind. Blows my mind. Holy God, coming into the mess of the world, coming as a baby, dependent, weak, but God. So the angel
1: Gabriel, again, the personal calling of coming to Mary and then calling her by name. He knows us all by name. And throughout Scripture there's just so many encounters with people, calling them by name. It's beautiful. And he reassures her because as we read, this is huge. When he brings the news, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Can you imagine this young girl thinking, what? What's going on here? Not an everyday occurrence to encounter an angel. But right away she's reassured, don't be afraid, Mary. You've been chosen. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. As part of that passage, what I particularly loved was how God knows, the fact that God knows what we need. He knows how fragile we are. And for Mary, who is a young girl, this is huge, absolutely huge. And he, he says, your cousin Elizabeth is currently pregnant. She's currently in her old age carrying a baby which is a miracle in itself, but don't you love the way that God tells Mary you're not on your own here. There's someone else who's going through a situation that is way big, way bigger than her, but that you can go to and you can spend some time with and who will understand you and he'll be able to reassure you and remind you that God's hand is on you and God is walking this journey with you. So Mary goes. Says she rushes, she hurries, <laughs> leaves in haste. I think were the words following this passage, to her cousin Elizabeth, and it was just as she'd been told by the angel. Elizabeth was in her sixth month of pregnancy, and we read that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, so probably about she would have seen the birth of of John. And then we read of of Mary's response, which I just love, of surrender and of belief. I am. The Lord's servant, Mary, answered, may your word be fulfilled. And she knew what this was going to mean. She knew that this would mean being misunderstood by so many, being rejected, being scorned, engagement probably called off, potentially stoned because that's what happened back in that day. I often think about what this would have meant for her relationship with her parents even. What did that look like? It was huge. But Mary's response is, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. May it be to me, as you've said, according to your word. And then a little on in verses 46 to 55, we read of Mary's, her song, her song of praise, her worship. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and he has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And then years later, When Jesus is nearing the time of fulfilling his ministry here on earth, while hanging on the cross, tormented with pain as he carries the weight of our sin, he sees and he calls to Mary, who's standing nearby with a couple of others, Mary Magdalene, John, whom he refers to himself as the beloved disciple because he knew how loved he was, not because he was loved more than anybody else, but because he knew He knew how loved he was. And in John 19, verses 23 to 27, actually, I'll just read verses 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, who's John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus knew how tough this was for Mary, watching her son go through so much pain and she had to stand there and watch. What does Jesus do? In all of his pain and torment, he sees the ones who need to be comforted, who are hurting, and he reassures them and he calls for them to be provided for and comforted. Such a beautiful picture of how personal our God is. He sees us when we're suffering. He sees us when we're
2: hurting. He knows what it's like to hurt because he's been through it all. So we're reminded that we're each known by name. We're fully understood, cared for and accepted no matter
1: what. Will we choose to surrender to him in our current situations that we're going through now, whatever they might be, because we can trust him. Believing in what God has spoken to us. Maybe we've had some promises given to us that we can't see any hope in being fulfilled. What does God say to Mary? Nothing is impossible with God. So let's stand in that, in those promises that God's given us, believing that nothing is impossible with him. No matter how things might look, how hopeless, he can do it. Our part is just simply to stand firm and trust him. Psalm 139 is probably one of the most personal writings in Psalms and it's written by David. David, the the young shepherd boy who probably felt at times very overlooked in the fields. His older brothers we read of were on the front line in battle and things like that. And, And we read of at least one of his brothers in 1 Samuel 17, 28, accusing him. Of being quite wicked and conceited, as he'd come to the battle line with as they were fighting the Philistines and with Goliath taunting the Israelites. David, a sinner, just like you and me, he committed adultery, he murdered, but he also experienced incredible opposition, being hunted by Saul, trying to kill him. Yet he lived in the knowledge that he was fully known and completely loved. And I love how in Acts 13, we read, And when he had removed him, Saul, that is God, when God had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do my will. Because God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outside. So when Samuel was appointing king to take over from Saul, All of David's brothers were brought before Samuel. Mm -mm, God says, Mm -mm. I see the heart and it was David who he was choosing. So this beautiful psalm is something that I just want to read. You might want to just shut your eyes or, or just sit with it. But listen, take it on personally. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Search me,
2: O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So what is our personal response to our Creator
1: and our Redeemer today? Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite and I've just got there, contrite, is really meaning humbled, humbled by our own sin and failures, but in that, not staying there, but seeking after God. That's what God desires. The High and Holy One wants to dwell intimately with us. Isn't that amazing?
2: Isn't that beautiful? No matter how messy we
1: are, that's who he is. So just as we began in Genesis, being reminded of God's desire for us to dwell intimately with him, so again in the very last book of Revelation, we read of God again pursuing, seeking, calling us and in particular in one of the love letters to the church in Revelation chapter 3 and it's a fairly I guess when we read it, it can come across very stern, but I want to keep reminding you of that picture of Amos. I know that sounds a bit weird, but like he's just, he's in love. He's in love with us. And so he's speaking with his passion because he wants us to know him and more than that, for others to know him as he overflows through us. So as I read it, keep that in mind. Verses 15 to 20 of Revelation chapter 3, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you are either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, you're pitiable, you're poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and selve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. For behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. So just as I started with that story, when we knocked on the door visiting one of those places, the door was flung open, wide. We were ushered in. What's our response
2: to our God today? Are we willing to open up fully to him? Maybe we're a bit like Adam and Eve, holding on
1: to shame. That's where the enemy wants to hold us and keep us captive. God wants to come today and clothe us with his love and his mercy and call us back. Maybe you feel a bit like Jeremiah. Who am I?
2: I'm only young. I can't speak. You young ones, he wants to to remind you, I know you. I'm calling you. I will equip you. Come to me.
1: Or maybe we're feeling old (laughs) and like, what have I got to offer? Mm -mm. Never too old for God. Or perhaps like Mary, feeling overwhelmed, feeling just, yeah, the magnitude of what she'd been called to and yet she chose to to hold on to the, the belief that nothing is impossible with God. So this morning, as I just close in prayer, I just invite you to just come and, and just open your hearts and just look upon Jesus, picture Jesus however you want to picture him and just let him come in to every part of us. Let him speak whatever he wants to speak. It might just be one word or it might be a phrase. It might be something I've shared that's come to the fore for you. But let's come to him this morning and, and out of that we're going to just actually Respond in some worship, but I just encourage you to respond in some way because God is wanting to come and embrace us this morning and he's wanting to take us deeper if we'll let him. He doesn't force. He's not a forceful God. He's a gentle,
2: gentle God. So let's pray. Oh, God, you are beyond words. You are beyond description. You are just so beautiful.
1: We thank you that you are here. We thank you that you know each one of us by name, that you know every hair on our head, you know every thought in our heads. You knew us
2: fully and you loved us completely before we were born, knowing full well what our
1: paths would take,
2: what we would do or not do, yet you still love us completely.
1: There is nothing that we could do that can separate us from your love. And so as we just come now, we want you. We want what you have for us. And we just open ourselves up and we say, like David, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, in
2: your way, your path of life, abundant life.
1: For we love you, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you for pursuing us, for seeking us out, for laying down your life, for us, taking every sin of ours on
2: yourself. Perfect you, Jesus. There is no greater love, than your love. So we thank you that we are yours. We are yours. In your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.